welcome to Baptist Perspective with Jimmy Barber. Whether you're listening while driving home from work, sitting with a hot cup of coffee, or making dinner, we hope this podcast will be thought-provoking and edifying. Now, here with today's episode is Jimmy Barber. In previous podcasts, we covered the purpose of God, the sovereignty of God, election, and adoption, and their relationship to salvation. In those studies, we mentioned predestination, but we did not enlarge upon this subject per se. Though predestination is included and directly connected with the purpose of God, election and adoption, as well as other subjects, I believe it is good for us to look at it specifically. While many people, and even some professed Christians, denied predestination, Every Bible believer uh, reader knows that it is a scriptural word and a subject that must be addressed if he is going to truly worship God as he revealed himself to man in the Holy Scriptures. Many quotes could be supplied from the writings of Armenians like John Wesley, John Fletcher, and others to show their arguments against the truth of predestination that reveal those who argue against it today are the same sophist arguments of human logic and misinterpretation of Scripture. Their claims are basically that it either makes man a puppet or that God is the author of sin. However, my desire is simply to try to explain the passages as found in the Word of God in a literal, grammatical interpretation as with all of the other scriptures to show the subject in the connection of salvation. The Greek word for predestinate, predestination, etc. is proharizo and means to limit in advance. That is, figuratively, predetermined. Determine before, ordain, predestinate, as found in the Bible program, Sword Searcher. It is used six times in six verses in the New Testament. Acts 4.28, translated determined before. Romans 8.29, did predestinate, and in 8.30, he did predestinate. 1 Corinthians 2.7, translated ordain. Ephesians 1.5, having predestinated, and Ephesians 1.11, being predestinated. According to Thayer's Greek-English lexicon of the New Testament, the word is defined as to predetermine, decide beforehand, to foreordain, appoint beforehand. This compound word is composed from the preposition pra, which means in front of or before, and horizo, horizon, which means to mark out or bound, and Horizon, that is, figuratively, to appoint, decree, specify, declare, determine, limit, ordain. 
That too comes from Sword Searcher. When studying Arizzo, we find that it is used eight times in eight verses in the New Testament. Luke 22.22, it was determined. Acts 2.23, by the determinate. Acts 10.42, ordained. Acts 11.29, determined. Acts 17.26, determined. Acts 17.31, ordained. Romans 1.4, declared. And Hebrews 4.7, limited. Our English word horizon comes from this Greek word. Obviously, the horizon does not cause anything. It marks out the boundary between the earth and the sky. In all of the definitions given for the Greek word translated predestinate, not one time is the word cause mentioned. In the omniscience of God, all things that come to pass were marked out or determined by Him from all eternity. But this in no way infers that He caused what was declared. Some events were caused by God. Creation is such an event. But in no way God is the author of sin, nor does he have fellowship with sin. When the non-elect angels sinned, they were the cause of the sins they committed. While Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done, in crucifying Christ they were the cause of their sins. Note that determined before is proharizo, or the Greek word for predestination. Note also what they did was according to the hand and counsel of God. Nevertheless, they were the cause of their sins and not God. This one example should be sufficient to show that the predestination of God is not the cause of sin. To say that it is is to teach contrary to the Scriptures, and we are to submit our mind and our reasoning to the Scriptures whether we understand it or not. God forbid that we force the Scriptures to our sinful reason and understanding. We are taught in Romans 9 that God hardened Pharaoh's heart, and the question was raised as to why God does find fault when His will is irresistible. The divine answer is, Nay, but, O man, who art thou that replieth against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? This would have been an excellent time for God to explain or simplify his sovereignty and the responsibility of man, but he did not do that. God simply said that we are not to try to explain it and we are to submit our thinking to what the Scriptures say. We are not to try to rationalize it to the understanding of sinful thinking. I believe if one would 
do a thorough and honest study of the verses with the word proharizo and horizo and the context in which they are found, that he will find that God predestinating all things does not cause anything and certainly does not cause sin. Much, much more can be said to show that predestination merely marks out, determines, ordains, decrees, etc. events, but does not cause the event that were determined or marked out. With this overall brief introduction to the subject of predestination, let us now consider our attention more specifically to predestination as it relates to the salvation of God. In doing so, we will first consider Romans eight twenty nine and 30. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. It is obvious from this passage that not only is predestination a biblical subject, but that it is vitally associated with the salvation of God. The whole book of Romans could be identified as a theological exposition regarding the fall and salvation of man. In Romans 1.16, the gospel regarding salvation is the power of God to the believer. Then in verse 17, it is clearly stated that the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel to the man who has faith. In studying how it is that a person is justified before God, we find that the ground of that justification is the righteousness of God. The Lord willing, we will discuss this more fully in future podcasts as we study the doctrine of justification. However, the passage in Romans 8, 29, and 30 is a brief but profound description of the salvation of God. The passage begins with, For whom he did foreknow. It should be obvious that the he in this phrase is God, and there are some people that God foreknew, in a way different from others. In studying the omniscience of God, it is obvious to any Bible believer that God not only knows all things, but that he knows everyone that has ever lived, is alive today, and will ever live on the earth in the future. It is also plain to everyone who believes the Scriptures that someday God will cast some individuals into the lake of fire with a beast the false prophet, and the devil. See Revelations 19.20 and Revelation 20.10 and 15. Therefore, those foreknown by God in verse 29 is a group separate from all others. It is further obvious that the phrase does not say what God foreknew, but whom. In other words, God knew some people specifically and separate from all others. In fact, the word know is so used in the scriptures to indicate an intimate knowledge or love. In Genesis 4.1 it says, 
And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare a son, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. From the very earliest of the history of man, we find the word know used to indicate an intimate knowledge or love. Then in Genesis 4.17 it states, And Cain knew his wife and she conceived and bare Enoch. Afterwards, Genesis 5.25 affirms this special or intimate love when it was said, And Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son and called his name Seth. Also, when Gabriel was sent to Mary and announced that she was to give birth to Jesus, she said to the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Amos 3.2 equally testifies of this special knowledge or favor regarding God knowing Israel in a separate way from all the other families or tribes of the earth. Many other examples can be supplied throughout the scriptures to show this truth for the word no, but these should be sufficient. Therefore, the idea that foreknow in Romans 8.29 refers to the love of God for a special people is not some far-fetched idea, but is completely in harmony with the clear teaching of the Holy Scriptures and is in agreement with the overall truth of the salvation of God. Those predestinated by God to be conformed to the image of His Son, Jesus Christ, are those whom the Father loved before the world began. As we studied in previous podcasts regarding the subject of election, we see that it is the elect that are the objects of the love of God. Note the words of John Gill after giving an explanation of what this phrase is not. He said, This regards the everlasting love of God to his own people, his delight in them, and approbation of them. In this sense, he knew them, he foreknew them from everlasting, affectionately loved them, and took infinite delight and pleasure in them and is the foundation of their predestination and election, of their conformity to Christ, of their calling, justification, and glorification. End of quote. The Lord willing, we will discuss this further in our next podcast, but our time is up for today. Farewell. Thank you for listening to today's edition of Baptist Perspective. We archive our episodes so you can go back anytime and listen again. Do you have a question about something you've heard or just want to let us know you're listening? Visit us at baptistperspective.wordpress.com. That's baptistperspective.wordpress.com. Thanks again for listening.